Hi everyone, it is Paula Diana and this is Unleash the Game Changers. Today our guest is no one else than Trisha Goddard. Thank you, Trisha, for being here with us. Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. I love the fact that you are in Connecticut. Here we are in <laughs> London and we can connect on this Zoom interview that is our special way to uh, do interviews during the lockdown. And uh, this is great. We can use technology and stay connected. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the pluses I think we found out about uh, this whole situation is that I'd say people are con uh, communicating and connecting even more than usual. Um, and instead of technology taking us away from people as it has been doing, it's actually serving its purpose. We're not a slave to it. It's now become our slave and we can do amazing things like this. Exactly. And you know, I met you at the Power Women show a few months ago and I adore you. Of oh, course, I knew you. you already, but I found out that you are a natural good soul and you went through a lot in your life and you are still keeping your strength, your wisdom. You actually look always at the positive side of people. Yeah. And uh, I would like you to share with us uh, uh, how is your life now? And uh, of course, uh, I know that you have this new book that made <laughs> your life amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to share something about that because uh, I, I, I'm divorced as well. You know, I'm <laughs> in my 40s. I find it difficult dating. And, it is. Uh, it is. Because when we dated, it, you know, I mean, I was married for uh, 20 years and I met my ex-husband when I was a single mum. I'd been a single mum for um, since my, my younger daughter was seven weeks. My older one was about four or five. And it's very different dating as a single woman, a, a single older woman, um, you see, you, you can get far more involved when you haven't got children around. When you haven't, I mean, when you're fighting for your career, you're still trying to establish yourself, if you don't quite know who you are, the kind of partner that you attract and that you're attracted to is really different from when you're, you know, 40, 50, 60, and you know who you are, <laughs> or you should do, or you pretty well know what you want. Um, you probably don't have kids that are as, as dependent. Uh, it, it's a very different world. And of course, it's all, a lot of it's technology. And I, I, I had girlfriends sign me up to, to internet dating. Oh, oh God, I know. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. It's, you know, in our heads, somebody said something really interesting the other day that struck a chord with me. Um, I, I interviewed Harlan Coben, the best-selling author, and he said, in our heads, we're always that 17-year-old. We are. <laughs> but the guys aren't there. When you see their pictures, it's like, I am not 17. <laughs> because it's just older men are... I don't know, they're completely different, completely different. I know, I know, this is such a huge problem, Trisha, seriously. And also, you know, for women like us who look like younger, you definitely look much younger than your age. And also, if you like to date a younger man, as yeah. I know you like, I mean, I, I'm the same, so it's really challenging for us. It's really it, challenging. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've always had younger husbands who have been older well my first husband my first late husband was older than me a lot older than me he was a, a, an Australian politician um my second husband the father of my children was 
about six months younger. My, the husband I was married to, the last husband for 20 years, was five years younger, but like 15 years older. And I've really learned with, with people in general um, that you can't just go on their age. I know I've met so many 50-year-old guys who are like 80. And my, my current boyfriend, hashtag booze, I call him, is... <laughs> is older than me but he he's like a he likes to play he's a child he's vigorous he's he's younger i mean he's 10 years older than my ex-husband but 10 years younger if that makes sense absolutely makes sense yeah yeah because i think if you've got a if, if you have a guy who's carrying a lot of emotional baggage and as, as one person as so many women have said there are those men that you, we end up mothering because their mothers didn't do the right job. <laughs> and we don't want to mother them, by the we way. We don't. No, we don't. We don't. And at first it's like, oh, yeah, I can cook for him. And it's fun. But when you become the mother, and I became my ex-husband's parent because his father was never on the scene. His mother, who I knew before she passed away, admitted and had no... Um, no maternal instincts whatsoever. So I was mother and father and, and to my own children. It was just too much. You know, it was just too much. And once the children had gone, it's like, excuse me, I don't want to go back to being a mother of toddlers again. I want to live and I still want to work. And he expected me to give up everything. Now the children were gone, give up everything and just completely mother and father him. And... Again, he looked at age like, oh, she'll slow down now. <laughs> he told you. <laughs> oh, he really thought I would slow down. He really thought I would slow down. And it was a very controlling relationship in hindsight. So I was single. I divorced him. And it was very painful. I did it online. I could because I have an Australian passport as well. Yeah. And I didn't tell... now abroad, right? You told me. Yeah, I, I divorced him online. He was in Australia at the time. And when I, I rang him up the day before he was about to be served the final papers. Mm -hmm. And I did it for a reason. I think if you're in a controlling relationship, you, unfortunately, you can't give too much notice. You ha I, I started looking after myself. So I rang him the day before the papers were to be served. And he broke down and he cried. And I was like... I'm sorry, with your behavior, what, how long did you think this could go on? And that moment I identified with that picture. Do you remember that picture of Nicole Kidman when she got divorced and she was like, oh, yay. I, it was like a weight went off my shoulders. Um, literally a weight went off my shoulders. But then like you say, it's like, right now I've got a date. <laughs> <What> now? <laughs> it can be scary. And also, I think you can also think uh, I give up. I don't want to have anyone else. I already had my store, love stories. And also coming from a controlling relationship, it must have been more difficult for you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, and it still is, you tend to be hyper aware, almost too aware. I didn't think I want to give up so much as that's it. You know, I, I just thought, you know, I, I'm going to be single. Um, and it, it didn't, it didn't actually freak me out at first. I think because I've always traveled and worked and I've been on my own before. It didn't freak me out. It, it did get to, I mean, I had a great, I had a great lot of girlfriends. Um, That's very important. Yeah, really great lot of girlfriends. 
And I'd say, unfortunately, when a new guy comes in, you tend to lose that closeness that you have with them. You know, when you, but still, we're, we're still close, but, you know, not as close, I'd say. But um, I was in no hurry to meet other guys. And I was shocked that men were interested in me. Because I think that's the thing with a relationship, controlling relationship, you're convinced that you're, he's the only person that will have you. So I was shocked other men would be interested. Amazing. But see what a controlling relationship can do. You are fabulous. So you, okay. you, should, you should have this dub, seriously. But this is what it does to women, you know? It, it yeah. really uh, triggers something inside ourselves so we lose our confidence. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really terrible. Yeah, and also I think as well, because um, I've been through breast cancer and what have you, my body confidence as well. I mean, I, I'm, I feel fine about myself and my strength, but when it came to dating and things like a love life and a sex life at this age, you think like, oh my God, you know, oh, you know. But it was weird. I said in my head, my next boyfriend or whoever, and I dated a few other guys which were just so awful, but very, very funny. <laughs> You know, I want to know the details now. <laughs> very funny. Very funny. I, I was renting a fabulous house, a mansion in, in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a very wealthy part of the world. And a girlfriend of mine introduced me to this guy who was, I won't say his name, he's very well known over here. And um, he later told me he had a thing for Michelle Obama. <laughs> and... Um, he, he was talking to me about mental health at first and I quickly worked out, he said, do you want to come for, I want to talk about, um, uh, he had an adopted son, like his mental health and I, like an idiot, this is the thing, Paolo, we forget, we're so innocent, like little Bambi. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. And I went, I sat and he asked me about mental health for about 30 seconds, very swish place on the water. We're having the most amazing meal. He said, can I give you a ride home afterwards? No, no, I'll walk. And, um, you know, it, and then he, he basically pursued me. But he clearly never wanted to be seen in public with me. He'd, he'd got divorced. He'd got divorced very quickly um, the second time, his second marriage. Uh, it was only nine months and he got divorced. And I had this weird situation where we were out at dinner, really lovely restaurant. A guy came up and went, oh, wow. Hey, because this guy's like a god. Oh, wow. Hi. And they had this 20-minute conversation. I was sitting there. I was not introduced. Nobody looked at me. Mm -hmm. I sat there like an idiot. And afterwards, I said, oh, my God. What, what is this about? And he said, well, maybe he didn't know I was divorced. Or, you know, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to put it. it. It was all these excuses. Yeah, I later learned when I, I walked along with him once we were walking somewhere in, in Connecticut and I went to hold his, put my arm through his arm. He went, no, no, what are you thinking? He did not want to be seen in public. And this is the USA with a black woman. Oh, my God. I Basically. Still. Still, yes, still, still. It was all right. He was, uh, and then I realized he was taking me to places that he didn't think any of his other wealthy partners would go to. Um, so that finished. Um, Tell me what did you tell him? I mean, I, I, 
it took me a while to, he wrote me the, uh, this long letter. He wrote me this long letter saying, uh, basically, yeah, oh, the things that he did when my daughter came to visit, he, he, I said to him, I'm not seeing you for a week. My daughter's, one of my daughters is staying here. He would hassle me, come over now at night and you can come back in the morning and she won't know you're gone. I was like, ugh. You know, and I wouldn't have any sexual relations with anyone until my divorce had finally come through. It's the Catholic in me, I guess, or uh, the lapsed Catholic in me. Um, and when he wrote this letter, he basically was saying uh, through the lines that we need to keep this secret, what have you. So I wrote him back a very long letter saying, I think you're you know, I, I, I think your behavior is disgusting. I think, you know, I just think that you are running two different agendas. You know, you boast about how you were fundraising for Obama and you talk about all of this equality and that's basically bullshit. So I wrote him this, this long, long letter. I responded with the letter, but, um, well done. Yeah, that you was my first foray into dating. Let me say, to say his name. I mean, you don't have to hide anything. Actually, it's good if you say his name. So he will learn next time. Well, you know what? He did learn in the end, and I always believe in karma. I do uh, gyrotonics. It's like a mad form of Pilates. Yeah, and, and my teacher also taught, was good friends. My teacher and his wife were good friends with his ex-wife. So I subsequently learned a lot about that whole circle. They go to Bible meetings every Thursday, and then they everything's about money but they think if they go to a bible group every thursday <laughs> it absolves them of their sins um and then there was another guy who on the second date i never met him a girlfriend said oh i'll connect you by text he sends me his company's fiscal report and said you may be you may be interested in how my singapore office did in the second quarter it's all about money it's terrible. <laughs> this is so horrible. But you don't think that in America, men, they might be a little bit more like that compared to the UK or Europe? Oh, there's difference. There's difference. You know, <laughs> I have to laugh. Um, my husbands were Australian. And I was doing an interview with Hello Magazine with my two daughters. And the journalist said to me, so what have you learned? What do you think, looking back at your marriages, what have you learned? And I sitting there trying to think because of course my daughters are there one's their father one's their stepfather for 20 years basically their father they have his name and i'm trying to be like this and my younger daughter piped up and said uh maybe don't marry australians <laughs> and unfortunately they're of of the our age group there is a huge I'd say, I go to say, it goes far as to say a majority of Australian men who are so misogynistic. In general, it's, and I love Australia, in general, the level of misogyny in Australia is off the charts. Um, it's a very small country. You know, there's not a lot of people there. I was the first black person ever on Australian television in 1988. I made you history. You you were a victim of racism a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I was offered security. I mean, I recently found newspaper cuttings from that and, and people were talking about it. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's very misogynistic. It's got a very high level of racism and casual racism. It, but they have a very high rate of male suicide. And it's that thing of not talking, men sticking together. I mean, they now are seeing it as a problem. So Australian men, I don't think are for, for me. 
um, <laughs> American like <laughs> no, you wouldn't like it in America. It's in the part America's like Europe. You know, it's like LA is not like I'm just outside New York. It could be too, it could be Italy and 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 uh, it's it's like France and Spain. You know, you either like the the uh, Côte d'Azur or you're you're going to I don't know um, Marbella. <laughs> it's so different. And um, where I am is a very it's one of the wealthiest parts of the USA. And the rates of domestic violence, especially during this whole lockdown, have gone off the scale because wherever you've got a high concentration of money you often get men who see women as possessions it's true it's so true yeah. and and we don't talk uh, so much about this problem and thank you for bringing it out because people in their mind they think domestic violence has something to do only with the poor communities uh, yeah. with uneducated men but unfortunately this is not true at all because no. they can be well educated they can be rich they can be uh, successful and still inside the house they can be completely different men yeah, yeah. especially if the woman especially if the woman is a stay at home mother um which are, are there are a lot here there um uh, i mean i i was out with some girlfriends when i was single we were in a very upmarket very classy bar restaurant and um these guys were flirting with us and um you know i suppose because i'm older than them uh, although maybe I don't look it, I'm not going for this rubbish. And we were talking about crime or something. And this is way, way before the lockdown, a few years ago. And um, they're talking about crime in the area. And they said, oh, well, thank God there's no crime around here because it's such a wealthy area. There's so many police. I mean, if you see the TV show Billions, it's based, this, this is where it's filmed. This is where it's all about. And I said, well, actually, you do have a crime problem here. Domestic violence is very high in Fairfield County in this area. And you know, these guys said they were like, damn straight, we go out, we're in Wall Street, we're earning all this money, we buy them the Porsches, we buy them the big houses, the foreign holidays, and I come home and you don't wanna lay on the bed for me, bitch, you haven't, ordered, or, uh, haven't organized the house, you haven't got the chef to cook me my meal, I, you're gonna get slapped. And I was like, and a couple of my girlfriends laughed. And I went, this isn't even funny. And they were like, lighten up, lighten up. And I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I have a great sense of humor, but I'm, I don't find that funny at all. And the fact that they thought they could banter about this in, you know, in, in, a, in a public place, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe that. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You see, so we, we really need to do something more, especially journalists. I think they have a great, you know, uh, responsibility in order to uh, educate new generations yeah. because if yeah. you don't do anything, I mean, it would keep repeating itself history. Um, yeah. We well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the young people here are a bit different because with my boyfriend's generation, they, and that's been interesting because he comes from a very wealthy background. I've worked for everything I've had. And there are not in this particular area. I, I'm unusual in his circle. I mean, most of the, his ex-wife never had a job. They go to the top universities to meet very wealthy men. They're either wealthy divorcees. They maybe sit on a charity. They do this. I mean, you know, and it, we have de debates about this because he said, 
well, they stay at home mothers. You shouldn't denigrate them because they're raising the children, which is true, but they're not. They have nannies. One, two, three nannies. <laughs> they don't, do you know, they don't walk their dogs. They have dog walkers. They don't even collect the dog poo. They have people come to their house and collect the dog poo from the garden. They have chefs. I mean, my boyfriend, when I first started cooking, was like this. I said, watching me, I said, you've never seen a woman cook before? Yes, he said. Our housekeeper used to cook. I mean, the, these women are, and there's a syndrome called gilded cage. They're like birds in a gilded cage. They're pretty. They, they have all the clothes and everything, but they basically don't do anything. They're not encouraged to do anything. They get bored as hell. And then their husbands no longer find them attractive. So, I mean, my boyfriend's had to relearn. He's got a, a girlfriend with a career who's nuts, who takes up ice skating and rollerblading. <laughs> I saw that. Well done. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what he told you, your boyfriend, that you are great, of course. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. He, he loves it. He's still learning, though, because I have an opinion. And my opinions aren't based on tittle-tattle with the, the girls. You know, my, I mean, I'm more as a, as a journalist. Um, and you know, I earn my own money and, you know, and I have my, I own this house. I have my own house and it's difficult, but he's, he's moving in with me because I said, it's silly. We are running two households and I live on the water. He loves boating. So, um, we, you know, I have access to a boat. We have access to a boat slip. He's about to buy a boat. And I said, well, look, move in here and let's, you know, your, your money up till now has been on accumulating things, you know, and I have to say mine was the same. I've had three houses, one in France, one in the States. Um, where's the other one? Uh, one in England. I had houses everywhere. And I said, you know, we've always accumulated things. Let's do things, you know. Um, and he understands me because he earned all of that money. He had to earn the money. He was the man of the relationship, earned all the money. She sat around and did whatever I was in the same my, my ex-husband worked three days a week I paid for the holidays bought the house so when we were bitching about exes it was the same story <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious oh god you see you have something in common um, yeah we have a lot in common <laughs> And actually, you are also maintaining your ex-husbands? No. Alimony or no? Okay. No. I had to fight that, though. I had to fight that. The children's father never asked for any... Well, he, he, he was allowed to have 40%. Uh, no, he was allowed 10% of the house that I bought. And I said to him, how about you pay maintenance? So the maintenance they worked at was $2 a week for each child up until they were 15. I, I thought that's okay, go. But he didn't take anything. Mm. This husband, I, I had to fight. I, you know, he, and I mean, I was left financially. I was, you know, from money taken. I mean, I was one of those idiots who had a joint account. I, a, a joint account, but it was all my money. And, you know, you, I'd say to every woman, however much in love with somebody you are, you can't do that. I never had my, he had his own bank account. And I don't know what went on there, but everything was paid from the joint bank account. And so he took a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah. And it was also very controlling. It was psychologically abusive or also well, it's psychologically controlling. I mean, he worked in mental health and, and I've got to say, and I mean, 
there are reasons. I'm not going to say it's an excuse. There are reasons. I understand from his childhood and um, I understand why he was like that. We do what we need to do to get our needs met. And if you need to be looked after and you want to be looked after and you're scared of being abandoned, you will do whatever you need to do to make that person feel that they can't go anywhere else but stay with you. And that's definitely the situation. I don't even think it was mean or it was nasty. It was getting his needs met. And anything that threatened that, which was my older daughter, or had to be made to look like the baddie. Well, that's really bad. Yeah, God, yeah. And I have a lot of guilt about that. You know, um, but at the time, you know, you know, when somebody comes in as a knight in shining armor, and he met, I have to say he meant well. I actually got him to go into therapy at one stage, where, you know, and he really started seeing what his behavior was like. But then once he stopped going, that was one of the signals I thought, right, divorce. You know, once he stopped going, because he, he went back worse. He, he couldn't deal with whatever came up in the group therapy. Um, and, and I think when somebody quits <clears throat> partway through very intense therapy, it's often more damaging because they have more tools to disguise their behavior. Sure. That's really bad because you see, he didn't really want to change because changing is also, you know, painful for many people, yeah. especially yeah. if you have to recognize that what you're doing wrong. Yeah. So right. he, he understood that he didn't want to change because he preferred to be who he was. And to he was too scared. He's too scared. Change is scary. He was too scared. Um, way too scared. And, um, also, you know, in hindsight, he had a history of having affairs to make sure there'd be somebody else there who didn't leave him. But <clears throat> someone like that, I would say it's like a tick with a dog, you know. <laughs> they, to, they can't leave that dog until they have another animal to jump onto. <laughs> I know, I know. This is something common to many men, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But it's their, also their weakness. It's also their weakness. Um, so, I mean... But, you know, it's like he's gone. My only issue with him is, is him cutting off contact with uh, my daughters who took his name, who he brought up for 20 years. But they also, they're adults now. They also see that that is, again, controlling. It's a way of punishing me. Sure. Yeah, they want to punish you. Controlling men, when you don't do what they want, they, they just punish you. This yeah. is typical. They all do that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But you see, no one can do anything bad to you because you're not scared of changing. You're not scared of learning something new at you know, any age. I think when you will be 100, you will go to the moon, seriously. <laughs> you are that type of woman. <laughs> I'm not I, you know, I learned that. It's funny you were saying that because I was thinking about, I learned that from my mom. Um, in many ways, she wouldn't change. But career-wise, she was a secretary. She was brought out from the West Indies on a ship um, to train as a nurse because the National Health Service after the war needed more nurses. She trained as a nurse and a psychiatric nurse and at any given time she was doing two jobs at once. She was a secretary as well when we were to East Africa. She did secretarial work. She came back to England. She retrained to work with the elderly. When she was like 60, late 60s, she trained, oh, I forget, when I was 14, she went and worked with computers. They just started in 1972, very early on at um, uh, University of London, Royal Holloway. 
And both my daughters went to that university because of my mum. She was at the vanguard of, of computers. She trained and trained and trained. She trained to teach uh, computer sciences when she was 70. She wow. was teaching people, people online. If I had a problem with my computer, mum was the one who, who could sort it out you know so she she was always skilling up you know oh oh i'd like that i'll do a course in it so she wasn't scared to change careers um even at 70 so i think i learned that from her that's great it's a gift seriously it is, it is. and also i know that now your life with your new book is amazing also because you are having much better sex than before can we talk <laughs> about that one second please yeah. <laughs> Because well, it's something so important for everyone. And, you know, women sometimes they, they don't talk about sex enough as they should. <laughs> not our generation as well. You know, the thing is, again, I, and, and this is very controversial to say, but all I can say is what I've discovered. When you are the made, main wage earner, which I was with the children's father and my ex, when you're paying all the bills... You also, as a woman, you're still doing all the supermarket shopping, all the cooking, all the household, even, you know, you're doing everything. You're doing the school runs, you're doing the parenting, you're doing, and you're earning all the money and you're working all the hours. So when you finally get into bed at, at night and the man is interested in sex, you're like, oh, and that too? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I'm tired. And I'm sorry, you have a right to be tired because you're playing two roles, three roles, mother, father, wage earner you know everything and also i think there's resentment there's resentment you're not doing any what do you bring to the relationship you know looking at this guy and like oh you know that you see them as weak yeah. um and so with, with my boyfriend now two things i always said in my head my next partner i'm not going to date anyone who hasn't been to the mountain if you know that saying who hasn't really gone through things in life and it was so weird. I thought, I need a partner who's had a partner who's experienced a woman with breast cancer. And when I met Hashtag Boo, we were sat next to each other at this very posh ball in Greenwich. Um, and my friend had set him up with another woman. And I said, I looked at this other woman who had stables and was very horsey. And I said to my girl, and I was looking at Hashtag Boo, and I, thought, and I said to my girlfriend, are you mad? Are you mad? those two you know and so i was saying to have a nice life on the horse farm i was just being stupid because i could see this very urbane very you know and and this woman who was very sweet but like a farmer's daughter so and then we were laughing that's what we did the whole time laughing i was like i was like you're gonna get a roll in the hay <laughs> and here's the thing he was such a gentleman he opened he gave me a ride home i checked with his business partner who was my girlfriend's boyfriend i said you know if i die i'm coming back to haunt you but he opened the door he was very gentlemanly he didn't lunge he took dates he was complete gentleman didn't do anything and i was like you know very polite and i was like wow this is this yeah. is great but here's the thing he bought me my first meal my whole life, the best I went was halves. Oh my God, Trisha. 20 year marriage, my ex threw down the credit card, with, but it was my money, back to my, our account. 
or I have to give him cash secretly so he could do all this. This guy would not let me buy a meal. I was like, whoa, you know, and I argued. I said, who do you think I am? You know, that, that's the way I want it. I think when you have a guy who's really sure of themselves, who has their own money, because that's a first for me, has their own money, has their own lives, has their own company, what have you, there and treats you, has treated me with respect. And I found out very early on, he, he, he said, uh, I said to him, have you been, how many times have you been married before? He said twice. He said, I was widowed the first time. And I looked at him, I said, did your ex-wife have breast cancer? And he said, yeah, she passed away when his children were nine and 11. And so he, and he'd been a single father and didn't really get involved with anyone until they'd left university. So he'd been a single parent. He'd nursed someone with breast cancer. So he understood when I put on my precious sleeve, scars, everything, it's like, nah. And so he was, he is and was sexy because he was, he didn't need, he doesn't need a mother. He he's sure of who he is. And he has gone from everywhere from being mum and dad, his kids on Mother's Day send him Mother's Day and Father's Day card at the same time, Sweet. to nursing someone to their last breath. He's lived. He's not scared of what never's going to happen. He's lived. And that, I think, is sexy. Yeah. Uh, he, he makes me feel sexy. He still looks at me. I mean, we've been together nearly coming up for three years. When I get dressed up, I walk down the stairs and he, he still looks at me like, wow. He still thanks me when I cook a meal. And I, 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 I never, I cook completely differently with him because um, he's in the food business. He knows I love, he imports truffles and truffle salt. He'll, he'll find, if you know how much truffle salt costs, he, he gets me little gifts. He'll pick me a flower. The other day, he picked me a flower from the garden. He just puts one flower in a vase. He treats me. He sees me. Sweet. And, and this, that is sexy. Yeah, this is what all men should do with women. So you're really yeah. lucky. It sounds like it was destiny that you two met. Seriously. Yeah, I, I, I think in many ways it is because he's also playful. He has a child in him. He lo we laugh so much. We can tease each other. He doesn't take it personally. You know, if, if you've got a guy who's unsure of himself, you can't joke with them or about them. Yeah. yeah. They take it personally. Ooh, you know, you're their manliness. He, he's sure of himself. That's wonderful, Trisha. Oh, so there's hope for you. I mean, look at you. What man would not be falling over? I can't believe it. Why would, do you find you scare men off? Uh, I think, yeah, I totally do that. I totally scare them off. And also, you know, I'm, I'm quite bored about dating. So if it happens naturally, yeah. but I, I, I don't want to, you know, go on and try and, and do my best this is also me maybe i should put a little bit more effort and also i don't know i see a lot of married men around and oh god yeah. available trisha you know oh please tell me about this one guy the one who sent me the fiscal report right 
and I never actually met with him. We were texting, and um, I sent him a picture of my fire, the first fire, because I was like building fires. You know, a lot of things that it sounds silly, but I had people who did that before. Now I got rid of my housekeeper. I do everything myself. So first fire of the season i had this roaring fire so he sends me a picture here's my first fire of the season right so i look at the mantelpiece right mm-hmm. and he, there's such idiots i blow it up on my phone there's pictures of him and his wife and you can just tell when it's not a single guy living on their own you know you know what I, you could just tell you did not put this whole all the things around there this is a woman's work so i said to him oh i thought you were single and he puts separated. So I said to him, how long have you been separated? So he says, something like four days. That's <laughs> yeah, true, sure. sure. I said, well, <laughs> this looks like a woman's home. He said, we're still in the same house. Uh, you see? <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, sometimes they need the uh, the next one in order to find the courage to leave the past one. Oh. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's so insulting to 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 you as a woman. But see, I think you'd be I think you'd be scary to men because you're almost. And I do think that you're almost too attractive. You have too much life. I love and you. <laughs> it's, it's, no, but it's like, how do I control this? And if I get her, how do I stop other guys from getting her? Because if we move in a world where men of our age group see women as a possession, they need someone, you're probably too confident, too beautiful, too, you know, it's like, where, where do I make her feel she needs me? She doesn't look like she needs me. This is dangerous. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. But anyway, we'll see. But, you know, I, I think we are, I'm, I'm really, really happy also being, you know, happily divorced and happily single. You know, I, I, I don't think we need a man just for the sake of having a man. I agree. If we find your love, fine. But if not, I think we, we are capable to have a, a happy lifestyle, you know, and uh, again, we can pay for our bills. But yeah. Is- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but um, and I, I also think that what a lot of women do, I, I wasn't looking to date. I just said yes to every invitation my girlfriends gave me. I mean, I did dressage when I lived in the Middle East in the eighties. Otherwise, I, you know, I, I went to my kids' riding lessons and ran around and round and round, you know, with them. But I mean, here was I at a a horse. Well, I I joined the polo. I went with girlfriend to polo. Um, we went, you know, I went to everything. My girl, I had a very horsey girlfriend. I had another girlfriend in fashion. They said, do you want to come along? Yes. And I'd go with them because I'd meet other women. Yeah, it's a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And then through that, you meet other people. And amongst some of those people are guys. But what I like about how, like I met hashtag boom, when you meet people organically like that, you can say, you you know people who've known them 10 15 20 years so you're like tell me the truth about this person and because they're your girlfriend they will <laughs> it's a really good strategy <laughs> we'll follow you seriously tell me trisha when do you think you will uh, let us know the name of a hashtag group? <laughs> i'm really curious now i tell you the truth <laughs> just the name not the not the last name <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing here's the thing 
uh, I decided right early on, first of all, for different reasons, we were both going through divorces and both of us had, were going through pretty horrible times with divorces. Yeah. Um, and which I said to him, if, if your ex-wife knows who I am, she'll bring it up in, um, in, in court because I had a TV show here in England. And she did that anyway. <laughs> I always said hashtag boo, but she, he collects watches and she could tell from his watches in the photographs, right? So she brought me up anyway, saying, trying to say that he had money hidden and he was uh, whining and dining me and taking me all over the world. Um, we pointed out that in my world, women earn their own money. So, <laughs> you know, but... Um, that's it. So it started that way. And then afterwards, I said, you know what? I, the press has always known who my partner has been. And for me, I've never seen really any positives of that, you know, because I hate the way the press will sensationalize. You know what they do with the tabloids. So he just remains hashtag boo. And I actually like that because he's kind of mine. <laughs> I understand. It's true. No, it makes total sense. And what do you think about Meghan and Harry, who had to fly away from uh, the UK because of the pressure? I think I, I just think the whole thing's awful. And I just read recently that even Piers Morgan said he probably went over the top about it. Um, and I think I do, and I've said a, a lot of times on Good Morning Britain and this morning, what have you, uh, there's undertones there were undertones of racism xenophobia because she's american uh because she's part black and harry never wanted to harry's always wanted to escape and they've always he's really heavily involved in mental health charities which i am as well yeah. so and he's always i think struggled and remember he's a war veteran as well and I think he probably, it wasn't coincidence that he met a woman who was older, who had some experience and who wasn't British. It was like he, he had a way out with, with her. Um, and they're doing things differently and they're not doing things in a royal way. And he's learning all the time. But that doesn't make them bad or wrong. And the misogyny saying, it's her, it's her. She's, she's ruined him. She's done this. She's done that. It's utter, it's just disgusting. Even the comparisons between Kate does this. She's the ideal woman. You know, she bakes cakes, delivers them to houses, which is fantastic. But that doesn't make Megan, who wants to work, bad. But there's this, this whole media thing um, trying to play the two women off and it is it's it's the traditional woman versus the modern woman yeah. and you know it's it, it's disgusting yeah no i understand completely i'm glad they got away actually and and you too as well right you told me that you decided to leave uh, uh, london and go to live in the connecticut in order to find more privacy and uh, your own life well, you know, I, well, I, yeah, I was headhunted by NBC television to do my, first of all, I, I did uh, conflict resolution for Mori, Povish for the Mori show. And then they gave me my own show. And so I based myself here. The reason I chose not to return to England is I found a new lifestyle. And what I went through when I was going through breast cancer and the press intrusion affected me so badly but i've come to realize recently with my younger daughter who's on the front line with the national health uh, national health service at the moment 
um, it affected her. So it affected both my girls. They had to go through security to come and visit me in hospital. You know, people were trying to take photographs of me all the time while they wanted, the National Health Service couldn't treat me. Uh, they couldn't promise I would have privacy while I was having chemotherapy. They said, look, people might try and take a photo of you. So I had to go partly private. I mean, it was my experience going through my breast cancer made me think, you know what? Uh, I get privacy. And if I'm going to be a divorcee and all of those other things, then you know what? I'm going to do it based in Connecticut and just make trips back to the UK for work. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. But anyway, you, you found your love as well in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Connecticut? Yeah. Uh, no, I want to come actually. Yeah, come over, come and visit us. <laughs> I would love to, seriously. Let's do this. Yes. I love your story, Tricia, but now is the time of the final five questions that right. I always do to all our guests. Please try to be as fast as you can and, of yeah. course, tell only the truth. Okay. So, what is the thing that people would never guess about you just by looking at you? That I love Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Which is your spirit animal? I was going to say cougar. <laughs> I thought a horse. <laughs> no, I was going to say, no, it was definitely not a horse. My spirit animal. I think, I think a Hungarian poolie, a dog. I had a Hungarian poolie. It'd be a, a, a dog. I'm loyal and I like playing. Lovely. If you were a superhero, which would be your superpower? To fight for injustice. Amazing. And what did you learn from your last relationship? <laughs> Stay clear of Australian men. <laughs> oh, and the final one, Trisha, what is the meaning of life? Learning, always learning. You die mentally and emotionally the day you stop learning. I agree with you 100%. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you never get older, Trisha. And actually, you look younger. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm 63 at the end of this year. So thank you. <laughs> well done, you. Well done, you. You're amazing. Thank you. I hope I could interview again in London one day or in Connecticut. And yeah, yeah. Next time we catch up, we've got to do something. <laughs> Okay, so I give you a big kiss and I'll see you next time. Very All right. Soon. Thank you. Lots of love. <laughs> Thank, you, Thank you for following Unleash the Game Changers. I hope you loved Trisha as much as I love her. She is bubbling, amazing, and she's a great example for all women. So stay tuned, share with all your friends via all your social media, leave comments, and let me know who do you think I might interview the next time. Bye.